The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. I do thank you for tuning in to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn from an internationally known speaker that it's never too late to chase your dreams, no matter your age or your stage in life. So stay tuned this show for some very interesting information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, April the 22nd, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the April issue, the best of times, in one of our 270 distribution locations. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a printed copy of one of our 200 170 distribution locations, you can always visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on The Best of Times, and you can view the 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory by viewing it or downloading it. And of course, there's many more much more information on this website, including upcoming news about events and about senior expos, etc., throughout the area. Talking about the April issue, this issue uh, features social media and other basics for the not-so-computer-savvy person. We've already heard from many of our readers saying this was very helpful to them as they're, they're needing to understand all this so because of their kids and, of course, their grandkids as well. Don't forget to complete the survey, the reader survey, in our, in our um, April issue that you could possibly win $500. Uh, the other interesting... The stats that we have, it's called Stat Medical News Section, talks about uh, the there's type of exercise that helps reduce migraine headaches. And also you're going to learn how hypnosis can relieve your pain. And another interesting study revealed that seniors age 60 to 80 have been found to have a remarkable 13% of them become addicted to junk foods. And it's not that's not a good that's not a good indicator. So, again, pick up the the issue of the best of times. And one more thing, our, our infamous writer, Judge Jeff Cox, continues his articles on the United States Constitution. It, I found them quite fascinating. He's done uh, three past issues about the three First Amendments, and this issue discusses the Fourth Amendment to our United States Constitution. He does a great job in explaining it to us and the background as well as the purpose of that. Uh, 
Our friends at Ernest Arlene's continues to offer the best of time special dinner on Thursdays from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Thursday night special to make your advance reservations by calling 318-226-1325. Again, that's 318-226-1325. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my radio show today is a very, very special guest, is Mr. Rick Keller, who is a, or was a, former United States congressman. He's now an astute attorney, writer, speaker, TV commentator. I've asked him to come on our show to discuss his book, Chase the Bears, Little Things to Achieve Big Dreams. Thank you, Rick, for taking time from your extremely busy schedule to appear on our radio show today. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Gary. Well, I, I got a copy of your book. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, and that's one reason I contacted you. And I I felt that I learned more about you because you share a lot of insight about your own family, your own history, your own stories. And, you know, it was a wow moment. And I it, it, make, it makes me feel good when people explain more than the rest of the story. They give them, they, you know, they give them a little bit of details. Do you feel that way? Absolutely, and I, I know as for me, I learn better through storytelling than I do when someone hits me with a, a PowerPoint presentation or, or stats and that sort of thing. And so I try to convey universal truths, but I do it through stories, uh, not just me, but other people too. And I think it makes it a little bit easier to understand for, for all of us, hopefully. Well, that's what I want to advocate to my my radio listeners out there in radio land that um, pick up a copy of the book. You're going to find it quite fascinating, and it's not about bears. <laughs> the, right. We'll talk about that in a second. It's called, of course, it's called Chase the Bears. And um, the the other adv- thing I want to advocate, and I've been doing this, Rick, for many years, and I've been advocating. I'm I'm 73 now, and I tell my uh, my my readers, and we do a magazine as well. My readers and my radio show listeners that they need to write down their family stories, the good and the bad, and to share with family members before it's too late. And a lot of them say, "What does that mean?" Well, either before you die, or before you're not able to do it through mental or other memory issues. And many, many people are doing it. And it's fascinating. I mean, I've done it for myself and my family members. you got to write them down. You can tell them, but eventually telling them, as as you might know, uh, the the story might change a little bit. You know, when you go to family reunions and your grandpa and your uncles will start telling stories. You know, I heard that last year, but it was had a little bit different flavor this year, right? Absolutely. I, th- I think write them down to, to share with other people and, and what you've been through. But also, it's kind of weird when you when you write down your own stories, you'll you'll see that there are key emotional turning points in life. It's it's kind of helpful to you too. You know, oh. like wow, that was that was really significant to me. That's and when you look back in retrospect, you can kind of connect all the dots. 
And that's why in your book, you tell us about some of those aha moments. And I've, I've done that myself. I've been writing my stories and haven't put in a book yet, but I've been sharing them a little with my kids and my grandkids are young now. But uh, the, the kids are inviting it fascinating. Dad, I didn't know that. I remember that tale, but I didn't know that in great detail. You know, give them the rest of the story. And luckily, my yeah. parents, I, I've got immigrant parents. My, my dad was from Romania and Greece and came to the United States, became an American citizen in 1940. But he had a ton of stories before and luckily before he passed away i wrote them all wrote many of them down not all of them i wish i did, wrote all of them down but you know when you were a young younger person you did, weren't that interested in family stories hopefully more people are interested now so again i commend you for doing it and i and i know that your children and family members and future family members are going to appreciate this book and any other memoirs that, that you're uh, you're writing about so I mentioned on the air to everyone that he's a former U.S. congressman. So you, do you miss being in the United States Congress? Yeah, there's parts of it that I miss. For example, I could I could pick up the phone and change someone's life and you know get them out of prison if they're wrongfully in there or, or do do really huge things on a, on a level kind of an individual level. So I I miss that the most. I miss helping people, traveling, uh, meeting a lot of fascinating people. I tell you the part I don't miss though. I I was having to raise money three to four hours a day. I was in a swing district, had to raise a million bucks a year, and wow. I, I don't miss that at all. And I, if I had a magic wand, and I really don't have the solution, but if I did, and I, I, I was going to make members of Congress have a happier life, like your son-in-law and others, <laughs> I would say let's let's relieve them somehow of this burden of fundraising because it takes a little bit of the joy out of the job. Well, I still don't understand all the details why our, why our founding fathers had it do it every two years. I mean, that, that once you're elected, you have to start again to be reelected if you want to be there, or, or you're going to have people running against you in about a year and a half later, right? And yeah, that's that's absolutely. that's a, that's a sad story. But I will tell everyone I'm gonna put you on them. His book tells you about some of his accomplishments when he was a United States Congressman, and there are many. And I'm very proud to say that he he had uh, he implemented and uh, introduced many parts legislation and helped pass it in in Congress and got other people on both sides of the aisle to to endorse it. So I mean I I I commend you on that. Sometimes it's difficult to get. Uh, passage, especially, uh, and and when you have two parties and possibly independent parties involved, right? It is, you know, and in working across the aisle is really important. One of the things I learned in, in Congress is not to hold grudges at all, because the guy who may vote against my tax cut and makes me sad is going to be the guy next week who's going to help me increase Pell Grants to help yeah. poor kids go through college, and so there's no real permanent friends or enemies there and it's important to have some civility and, and get along people with people in your own party and across the aisle if you really want to be an accomplished legislator well rick you mentioned that in your book about our, our everybody's life and experience work experience that don't burn your bridges maybe you got fired maybe you got laid off maybe there was a disagreement but you never know that that person those individuals may be part of your life and part of your work history many years down the road well, a perfect example is I got fired from Wendy's when I was in high school. The manager said I, I didn't have what it takes to make it in fast fast food. <laughs> Apparently, I wasn't flipping the burgers fast enough, you know. And years later, I get elected to Congress, and do you know who becomes my biggest donor? It's it's Wendy's. They oh. they have five thousand bucks every every year, and they did more for me than than anyone. And that's, so that's a that's a great example. Very good. Okay, let's get into the book. Your book, Chase the Bears, has an unusual t- title. Tell our listeners where that name came from. 
Well, it's Sunday morning, and I'm sitting there reading the paper, drinking coffee, and a family of bears runs outside my window. I'm sitting there with my wife, and it's a mama bear and three cute little cubs, and I've never seen cubs that young. We lived about a mile from the woods. And so without thinking or saying a word, my wife and I just jumped up and ran outside and started chasing these bears. And we never caught them. But afterwards, I, I said to Lori, you know, that's kind of nuts because we're in Florida, <laughs> and, a, and a Florida black bear can run 35 miles an hour. Wow. And a big sprinter, only 28. So if that mama bear had wanted to come get us, I mean, she could have got us. You know, could have gotten Lori. I think I could outrun Lori. But it was just insane, you know, and and it was sort of like an aha moment. I said, Lori, I think, I think what just happened is, is a metaphor for life because I think most people in that circumstance would stay inside and play it safe and look outside their window as life passes them by and eventually the clock runs out. Some people, they just go for it. They just chase their dreams. They chase the bears. And Lori said, Rick, that's that's the name of your book. Oh. And I had written this book and I hadn't come up with a name for it. And so that's how we that's how we got the name for it. And I, um, I was lucky enough, I got a book deal with the folks who... Uh, the original publishers of Chicken Soup for the Soul, and they liked that uh, quirky little name. And and when it was released, it it hit it hit number one on day one for Amazon. So I was very very blessed, and maybe the silly little title helped. No, the silly title, but also the city, the cover is uh, people. Once you everybody, when you you can visit Amazon, you can go to my. By the way, I put your book on my website as well to order it indirectly through Amazon. So. Uh, the cover is interesting, showing uh, the reflection of a bear, right? Yeah, a buddy of mine took that. There's a um, there's a place just outside of Cashiers, North Carolina, which is western North Carolina, called Whiteside Mountain. And they have uh, a bear that comes out two weeks a year, a shadow of the bear in, in late October. comes out at about uh, 5.30 at night and stays there for about half hour. And it's the only place in the world that that happens. It's a, it's a crazy phenomenon. And um, my buddy who was visiting Western Carolina took that shot, and, and it was a beautiful shot. And I thought, you know, that too is a bit of a metaphor because you have you got a little window of, of opportunity in life, and you you got to go for it. you got, so you got to I, go for it. So when I saw he had that uh, photo, I said, you know, and, and I ended up buying it. I have I have a big photo of my, in my home. I said, can I use that for, you, for the book cover? And he said... I said, yeah, I'm either going to charge you half a million dollars or zero. I'll think I'll go with zero. <laughs> what a negotiator you are. Okay, I love that. What a negotiator. So the purpose, you you did you have the substance of the book already, but you never had a title? So why did you write it? What, what, what so was I the premise? Yeah. I didn't meet my dad until I was 14 years old. My folks had split when I was a year old, and, and he was off in New York, and my mom had moved on here in Florida. And when uh, I finally met him on our very first meeting, he handed me this little paperback book that was called Think and Grow Rich uh, from Napoleon Hill. And I read that book like six times when I was in high school. It sort of became my, my Bible. And I used it. I had a formula of how to set goals and achieved it. And I used it to set a goal for the first time in my life. And that was to to graduate first in my class. And that happened. And then I set a big goal of getting elected to Congress. And that happened using those techniques. And so years later, and I'm older, and my daughter turns 14, I thought, I'm going to do the same thing to my dad and hand her this little book. And 
after a week, she got back with me. She said, I'm just not digging it, Dad. It's just all these old, rich, white guys trying to get rich, and there's no girl power, and I, I can't really relate to I don't even know who Henry Ford is. And I said, you know, um, hey, Kaylee, I said, what's in there is timeless. I go, let me, let me take a stab at something. And so I took the same principles, but I told lots of girl power stories and stories about modern-day people that she would that she would know about and, and, and folks the, like that. The Dolly Parton, her, right? The Dolly Parton and Jim Carrey and, and, um, and other, other folks. And so, and women who've won gold medals, um, and she loved it. And I tried to put humor in there. It's kind of like when you get your, feed your dog the vitamin, you wrap it in ground beef. I tried to use humor as a way to, to make it easy to understand through storytelling. And I thought, wow, if Kaylee likes this, then, then maybe I have a shot. And so that was the, that was oh. the origin of, of how I came to write it. Well, that was a successful trial. It worked well. I'm sure people throughout the world are enjoying it. I enjoyed it, and I'm advocating to my listeners out there, if they've never picked up a copy, do, do pick up a copy uh, as well. So I, I understand, but I, I want you to explain to him, what's the book's primary message? Well, the message is there's little things that you can do to achieve big dreams in life, and and. A couple of those, for example, I think that the number one most important thing is is to use your gift, your, your natural talent. And, it, and your gift is a thing that you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort. And I think if you're going to have a truly happy life, it starts with using your gifts. And then the, the second part of it would be using your gifts for the greater good, helping other people. And that's that's the lead-off chapter, and I, mm-hmm, I ask people some questions just, you know, to kind of get to what their gifts are. What, what's, what's easy for you? What do you love doing? What's the thing that you lose track of time? And, and what's the thing when you start doing it, you're a 6, and then 45 minutes later, you're a 10? Whatever that thing is, is what you're supposed to be doing. And I, I believe that our mission in life for all of us is to use our gifts to make other people's lives better. And so that's, the, that's step one, is, is using the gift, using the thing that comes easy easy to you. The other things that I that advocate little things are, uh, number one, be willing to take some, some chances. And I'm not talking about uh, evil can evil jump in the Snake River Canyon, but educated, <laughs> you know, baby step risk that are aligned with your goals, aligned with your gifts. And so just for example, when I went off to college at East Tennessee State, uh, I was pre-med there and, and speech communication, but I certainly didn't start taking courses like that. My first semester was 14 hours, and I think I had badminton and softball <laughs> and sociology, and I was like, I wanted to make it a baby step that I could uh, that I could do, and then slowly built on that. And so I advocate people doing that. And one of the other things that I'm a big believer in is just not taking yourself too seriously. And I, I think a good self-deprecating sense of humor uh, is going to open up a heck of a lot of doors uh, for people. And I think it's one of the most underutilized secret it weapons. It is. On the it is. I highly. And you're one of the few authors that I've seen talk about this a lot. Uh, I've never, I'm thinking about some of the books I've read in self-help as well as very few people talk about that. I'm, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in great detail, but uh, that is an interesting part. One more aspect that you, you, you mentioned in the beginning of your book, everyone, it, it talks about analyzing what you really want to do. Now, it could be seniors. It could be young people. It, it, as, as, he, as I mentioned in my prologue, 
it's in any stage of our life. I mean, there are many people that have changed career paths when they're, including moi here, at 50. Uh, I mean, good good example is Colonel Sanders. Hey, he was 60 when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. So, I mean, right? It, it was, Absolutely, yeah. He was 62 when he opened his first uh, franchise, and he, he met a young guy along the way who was a cook whose name was Dave, and that young guy he took under his wing, and that became uh, Dave Thomas, the founder of, of Wendy's. And one of the, the things that really struck me and moved me emotionally about Dave Thomas, it wasn't so much just his rags-to-riches story about being worth hundreds of millions creating Wendy's, is that he was embarrassed about something, and that is he dropped out of high school when he was in 10th grade. So now he's worth three or four hundred million bucks, and he's in his 60s. And he said, you know what, I'm I'm been encouraging kids to pursue their education. I'm going to lead by example. And so at age 61, he went back to high school and and got his uh, diploma. And it was kind of cute because he was real popular with his classmates and they invited him to the senior prom. So he gets his tuxedo and he goes to the senior prom and they vote him uh, prom king and most likely to succeed. (laughs) So I... I think the combination of, of those those two gentlemen show that it, that it's never too late. You can still be what you wish to be. And, and you mentioned seniors. I think the most valuable thing that, that seniors can do is you have this lifetime of experiences is take on the role as a, as a mentor, as a teacher, sure. as a guide, and, and share, share your lessons um, with young people. Uh, I, I think that's super valuable. There's a guy named Arthur Brooks who was kind enough to endorse my book. He's a Harvard professor. And he wrote a he wrote a whole book about this called um, Strength to Strength, and the the crux of what he said is the seniors that are happiest are the people who were the the strivers in the first part of their life, and you know maybe they were working eighty hours a week as a as a litigator or as a child star or whatever, but in the second half of their life they use their gifts to to train people and serve as mentors and guides and those are the the happiest folks it's it's not the guy who still tries to be a boxer at 50 it's the guy who becomes a coach of other boxers oh, that's true and i i know of many of my senior friends that that do that now they had great careers and and now they're mentoring and helping others and you could see the gleam when they're making their presentations or when they're doing their one on one so i mean i i advocate to, to my readers and listeners who are in that area, volunteer. There's many volunteer areas that you can mentor young one, young people, even middle-aged people as well. So you, you're true, but you're, that is definitely true. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Ebers Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest, it's Mr. Rick Keller, who was a former United States Congressman. He was he's an attorney, writer, speaker, TV commentator, and much more. And he's discussing his book, Chase the Bears: Little Things to Achieve Big Dreams. So thank you again, Rick, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. 
thrilled to be here. Look forward to it. So, uh, and I'm going to tell my listeners again, I read the book. I actually read it twice, and it, it's a it's a kind of book that you do need to read it more than once. You're going to catch a lot of good ideas and, and, and phraseology, and I love your humor, by the way, Rick. It adds in the reading. It's not strictly um, lecture, I would say, you know. It, it, it adds a little humor. It has some remarkable stories that you'll be fascinated, everyone, about. He he, he uh, tells the stories about himself, about his family, but also about others that I was not aware of, uh, of, of, of the Dolly Parton story and a few other stories that you you mention in your book. So that it was quite fascinating. And, of course, Kentucky and Colonel Sanders and Dave Thomas, I didn't know about as much about Dave Thomas as I did uh, Colonel Sanders as well because he— uh, Colonel Sanders has a, a, a connection. I'm in Shreveport, Louisiana. So he has a connection with our fry master who has a fry machine here that was invented back in, I can't remember, 1950s or something. Uh, my father was in the restaurant business and bought one of the first ones. So there's a, there's Colonel Sanders used to come here after he started the KFC deal. So uh, many times and, and to our, to our neck of the woods. So I'm a little bit familiar with his, his, his concept, et cetera. Yeah, that, that technology, I think, was given a lot of credit for, for revolutionizing that business. And, and, uh, and he gets a lot of credit. For oh, the yes. Oh, Sanders yes. As well. yeah. oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. So yeah. we talk a little bit about uh, the little things, how to achieve big dreams. You mentioned knowing your gifts, uh, et cetera. So let's, let's talk about some more about how they can help our, my, my readers out there. I think kindness is a huge superpower that people don't fully appreciate how important it is. In other words, I think there are little things that we can do that are going to be life-changing in ways that we, we don't even realize. And I'll just give you one example that I talk about in the book. The, probably the first big emotional turning point for me was I was 17 years old. I didn't have enough money to go to college. My mom was single parent raising three kids on the salary of a secretary. We lived in a one-bedroom home for a period of time. And she came up with this clever idea. She said, you know, from time to time, my boss, and her boss was a CEO named Mr. Overstreet, would, would have his company make charitable contributions, and she would type it up. She said, why don't you ask Mr. Overstreet if his company would make a charitable contribution to send you to college? And so I went and met with Mr. Overstreet in his big office, and he was 81, and I'm 17, and my hands are shaking. And I, <laughs> I said, Mr. Overstreet, I want to go to college so bad, and I want your company to make a charitable contribution to help me. And if you do, I, I promise I'll be first in my class. I won't waste it. It won't be throwing money down the drain. And he said, son, I'm only the president of this company. I've got a board of directors to answer to, and they're meeting on Tuesday. So come back Tuesday afternoon, and I'll let you know the answer. And so I came back Tuesday afternoon, and I'm sitting there, and he walks into the room, and I, I feel like my whole life turns on what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds. And he said, well, and he delivered the verdict. Uh, we met this morning, and the board of directors decided that they would um, not help you uh, go to college and it's nothing personal rick but if they did that for you they felt they would have to do that for every single employee in the company and the company's just not set up for that and so my intuition was just saying say thank you and i said mr overstreet i just want to say thank you you didn't even have to try but you did and you went out on the limb and and as i'm thanking him just tears just 
uncontrollably started coming down my face because it, it hit me at that moment. I'm not going to be going to college um, like all my friends. And he leaned over and he said, uh, son, you can wipe the tears away. I said, the company couldn't put you through college. I didn't say that I couldn't. And he stroked a check and I was off to college. And oh, four years later, I was up on the stage and I graduated first in my class. And that got me into Vanderbilt, and he lived just long enough to see me um, graduate from Vanderbilt Law School. And eight years later, when I got elected to Congress, I made it my mission for kids who don't have a Mr. Overstreet to help poor kids go to college. And so a few years later, I became chairman of the Higher Education Subcommittee. And my passion, my focus, was increasing college aid called Pell Grants. And so we increased college aid by 62%, and that helped 5.5 million people go to college who wouldn't have been able to go. And so Mr. Overstreet's single act of kindness had literally impacted 5.5 million people. And so when I talk about we we don't know all all the time what, what a ripple effect, you know, a single act of kindness has. And so... I'm a big I'm a big fan of that, and I think we that's something we can all do on a daily basis. It's it's the waitress who someone is you know rude to, and and maybe they they brought the guy a, a sprite instead of a diet coke, and it's it's I think it's our job to to take up for people with less power and say you know I think you're doing a great job. I'd love to have the diet coke. It's it's little things that we can do that we don't really fully um, appreciate what a big impact they're going to have. You're absolutely right because. Uh, there are many people out there. Everything's negative. I mean, there's they're so negative. They they pull down a person. They pull down an individual that's doing their best. You know, it, it's sad. Just a little bit of kindness, and you know, uh, uh, it goes a long way. I, I I agree with you on that. And it and it helps you too. You know, I I was privileged to be in Congress for eight years, and and I just gave a story about helping millions of people. But but the thing that that gives me more joy than I'm most proud of uh, now that the, the years have settled in is it was one little kind thing I had done for a person and um, and it made me feel good and and there was a karma effect this person came back and helped me and I'll, t- I'll tell you just a quick version of it and that is I was giving a routine speech to a woman's lawyers association and afterwards this young girl comes up to me a young lawyer named Liz and she said that her mom's in prison in Vietnam and she had gone over for a nephew's wedding and they arrested her because she had given a radio interview saying she thinks it'd be a nice election nice to have elections in vietnam they don't have free speech there they don't have uh, democracy and so it pissed them off and they put her in jail and she'd been there for a year and this poor girl couldn't get her out tried everything hired law firms and went to the press and begged the, the, the vietnam government and nothing happened and I told her, I, I said, we're, I'm going to help you. And we're going to have her home. It was three months before Thanksgiving. I said, we're going to have her home before Thanksgiving. And I don't know why I said that, because I really didn't know how at that point. But my intuitions, I told her that. And I went back to D.C., and I saw we had some huge leverage. And that is there was a trade bill that was super important to Vietnam that was not yet going to be voted on. It was still months away. It's worth $10 billion. And so I called our ambassador. I got the personal cell phone for Vietnam's ambassador, their top diplomat. And I called them and I said, look, buddy, this is not going to be voted on. I'm blocking the House. Senator Martinez is blocking it in the Senate <laughs> unless you let my constituent, her name was Cook Poche, out. And they were in a bind. How do you save face? And long story short, a few days later, a guard appears at her jail cell door and says, Cook, you look sick. And she says, I'm, I'm not sick. And she said, yeah, we think you look sick. He said, I'm not sick. And they said, yeah, 
we think you look sick, and that's why we're we're sending you home to America. You're free Whoa. to go. Oh, wow, yes. And so she arrived here, and it was an emotional homecoming, and it was a few days before um, Thanksgiving. And that happened on November 12th of 2006, so 17 years ago. And every November 12th, I'm awoken to a ding on my cell phone and it's always a text from Liz and it says thank you this this is the day that you saved my mom's life and it had brought me so much joy to help her but but you know there was karma aspect too because 12 years after that I went through a divorce and I was just it was painful for me and I was very sad and like so many people who go through that I was rock bottom and Liz is the one who met with me at lunch and, and lifted me up. And you're going to be great. And I can't wait to wait to see you meet next. And <laughs> and I ended up uh, meeting a beautiful girl who'd been a homecoming queen of Florida and went to Harvard and was smart and beautiful and got married. And I was so happy. And and I had no idea that when I was saving her mom's life, I was really saving my own uh, because uh, karma. The really karma does to, to really karma. help me. Yeah. That that so again, everyone. He mentions a lot of these stories in his book, which is are, are fascinating. I mean, you, you're going to get a a, a good uh, wow feeling, a good a good feeling, but you're also going to learn something. And 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 he emphasizes about your dreams. You know, chasing those dreams, chasing those bears, uh, is is achievable by any stage of life. Just. Uh, I love one of them that you mentioned that and I've used it too. Is if you got a goal, write it down. Right? You have it several times in your book. You talk about you know you can verbalize it, but if you write it down, it's going to be it's going to be there, and it's you know it's going to remind you, and you can emphasize it and keep repeating it. Right? You did that many many times in your life. Absolutely. That was in fact that was the key technique that I used from the Napoleon Hill book that I that I wrote about in my book, uh, Chapter Two on Setting Goals. I think you have a you write down a specific goal with a specific time and you put it on a card and you read it every morning when you wake up and you read it every night when you go to bed and and you keep doing it and you don't stop doing it and you, you don't have to necessarily have the roadmap how to get there yet. The universe will will provide that, but just keep your mind on that goal over and over and over and. And all of a sudden, it's it's magical, Gary, how, how things start happening. And um, I'll, I'll just give you one example, and, and, and I talk about it in the book, but when I first ran for Congress, I was an underdog, and I really didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. I'd never ran before, and I found myself losing by 27 points in the polls, and I was out fundraised four to one, and the leader of my party asked me to drop out, and it was, it was horrible. And the person who was ahead of me had $400,000 raised, and I had 100000 So I said, you know what? I wrote down a goal, and I said, I'm going to have, I'm going to raise $400,000 uh, before the end of the primary. And I read it every morning, every night, and a couple weeks later, I was, I got a phone call out of the blue to come to Washington, D.C. to give this five-minute speech. It was like American Idol for politicians. <laughs> they were having, they had all these CEOs and business leaders got together from across the country, and they decided to put some big money into a handful of races. And so I was one of the 16 finalists. I was the last one picked, and I went up there, and I was the, the last one who spoke, and the people in front of me were so good. Like, Jeff Flake went on to be a, a senator and ambassador, and, and Mike Pence was one of my competitors, went on to be governor of Indiana and then vice president, and then me. And I was walking up to the front of the room, and they had given all these serious policy speeches. And my intuition said, just, just, that's not who you are. Just be yourself. And so I, I said, guys, I've been waiting in the back for hours, and I feel like Elizabeth Taylor's seventh husband on his honeymoon <laughs> night. Technically,
I know what I'm supposed to do. But at this point, I don't know how to make it interesting for you. And that room erupted, and they ranked me number one in the country and sent me $400,000, the exact amount of my goal. And a few months later, I was elected to the U.S. Congress. And none of that would have happened had I not written that goal down and said it over and over and attracted whatever the forces out there in the universe that were that were there who could help me. Fascinating true story. And the, the other thing, you were the last of 16. Generally, when the last person has to make a present, there, there's a ho-hum out there in the audience, and the and the individuals are saying, God, I hope this goes quickly so we can get out of here and go to lunch or go wherever, right? And But yeah, uh, but you yeah. hit it on the nail, doing a, a little bit of uh, being the little bit of jokester, getting some pun in there, get some to make them say, oh, wow, yeah, okay, that's that's good. That's good. Absolutely. And you know that when it, when it happened, I really didn't real I thought it went well, but I um I was walking out of the room and I had a little name tag on it that, that said Brick and I you know ripped the name tag off and I I put it in the trash and my <laughs> aide was with me and he ran and dug it out of the trash and he said, "Keep this." And I'm like, "Why? Is that that speech just changed your life, buddy. It's oh, never going to be the same." And wow. I'm like, "Wow, well, it ended up being right." Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now work more sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Ebersen and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, sending country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my radio show today is a very special guest is Mr. Rick Keller, a former United States congressman, attorney, writer, speaker, and TV commentator. And he's discussing his book, Chase the Bears, Little Things to Achieve Big Dreams. Again, thank you, Rick, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thrilled to be here. The uh, I want to mention again to my listeners, you can pick this book available. It's on Amazon, as well as if you don't want to do Amazon.com, you can go to thebestoftimesnews.com, and it's showed you there in our in our store that you can order this book. It's a fascinating book. I've read it two times. I highly recommend it for you. I also ha- highly recommend it for your kids and grandkids who are now possibly in college, uh, about to graduate, to, uh, and it's going to help create their dreams and it might get them some insight about goal setting and career paths etc i think it's got a lot of good uh, good advice good tips that are are applicable today and you're going to learn from stories of individuals of rick but also of other individuals that he talks about in his book and it's real it's an easy read and i highly recommend it to everyone so let's go into you there are several chapters it's a very didactic book it's you know almost 300 pages in length one of the aspects and i i love it uh, i read it uh, is taking risks but you say we should take educated risks so that could be a little scary right we take risk it can be scary you know and i i think the risk that you take should be aligned with your ultimate goals and your, and your gifts and so for example um, if you're if you're Kelly Clarkson and you have this natural singing ability, I 
I don't think that you should be working at your dad's CPA firm, even if he's paying <laughs> you a hundred grand. I think you should be going to open mic night or, or using whatever those little things are, even if it's starting with karaoke, but little tiny risks that are aligned with your dreams and, and take those Good. risks. And I think that a lot of people worry that, oh, well, you know, I may fail. Well, I think if you're going to use your gifts for the greater good and you're persistent, you, you may you may fail temporarily, but you're, you're not going to fail on a permanent basis. And you mentioned uh, this book could be helpful for young people coming out of college. If I had one message to them in terms of the young person coming out of college is, is don't take setbacks to – seriously. I mean, you don't have one chance. You have a hundred chances. And <laughs> every person that's achieved anything um, from top to bottom has failed and, and had setbacks and and has been told by other people that, that, that they couldn't do it. I mean, I was told I, I wasn't good enough for fast food, and I was told that I wasn't good, good enough to, to get elected to Congress, and that I wasn't qualified to write a self-help book. And one of the things I talk about in and in my book is that you're you're not alone. I mean, Walt, Walt Disney was fired uh, at age 22 for not being creative enough, and Martin Luther King was given a C in public speaking in seminary school, and Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team, and Oprah was demoted for being unfit for TV news, and, and the Beatles were told <laughs> that they have no future in show business, and so there's a lot of people who've been in that boat, and so don't, don't take the setbacks too hard. I mean, in in my lifetime, 100% of the people who've been in the White House from 1964 on have lost an election at some point in their life, every single one of them. And so don't worry too much about the setbacks. I think go go for your dream. It may be a different mat, uh, path to get there. You may have to, to pivot a little bit, but, but don't be too deterred if you don't get the ideal job you want out of college or your first business fails or you lose an election. Just just keep moving forward. Just your keep dream. moving it's forward. Be okay. That's that's a great a great statement a great premise to allow. So everyone, his book has part ones and part two. We were been discussing a lot of the part one is connecting your gifts to your goals. His second part of the book is about connecting with people, which I thought was fascinating because a lot of people out there don't think that's important, but it is important. And to explain to them why. It's really important, and and you know nobody gets ahead and. It, by themselves in life, there are no self-made people. You need you need to win others, and so so three of the things that I talk about in this section. One of them is connecting with people through humor and and, and levity. A second one it shows folks how to network the right way, and third is is just being authentic. And to give you a short example on all those, I said let's let's take humor. Uh, Abe Lincoln, I think, is is about the biggest, most successful president we've ever had on Mount Rushmore. And there was a debate he had, and one of his um, opponents called him Two-Faced. And he said, Two-Faced? If I had two faces, do you think I'd be wearing this one? <laughs> and it was charming. And they won, won people over um, in terms of authenticity. Um, what you're doing as a, as a radio show interviewer is something that uh, – Larry King had wanted to do, and I tell the story about his, he finally got a break. He was sweeping up the floors in the, in the radio station in Miami, and they said, you know, we're going to put you on on Monday, and he was so excited, and he practiced saying his name over and over. It was Larry Zeiger at the time, and, and practiced all weekend, and the day came, and he went into the control booth, and he hit the button, and the theme, theme song came on, and as it faded out, he went to talk on the microphone, and he couldn't do it. Nothing, nothing came out. 
and then he hit the theme song again and nothing came out and his boss came to Larry this is a communication business damn it communicate <laughs> they had given him a name Larry King you know just before going on the air and so he came back on the air and he says I just have to tell you guys something you probably thought there's an earthquake here or something and uh, it's my first day I've never been on the radio before my name is Larry King I never even said that before and uh, I thought I could do it and I got really nervous but I want this to work and, and stick with me because I'm going to do the best I can and we're going to try to make this work and Larry said from the moment that happened, he's never lost his audience, that he was vulnerable and is authentic and real and people connected with him. And that's I think true. that's a big secret. That's a big secret in life. And, and it takes self-confidence to say, look, I, I know I'm a little bit flawed, but I also know I'm a good guy and I believe in myself and you should believe in me too. Well, I'm humble too. I occasionally make a lot of mistakes on my show. People know that as well. And people laugh about it and I laugh about it too as well. You just got to keep, you just got to keep moving forward. Well, talk about, talk about the, uh, which I think a lot of people don't think about a lot is the, is the self depraving humor. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't use it because we've been conditioned, um, from the time we were little kids, many of us, to put out this perfect image mm -hmm. uh, to the outside yes. world. You know, fake it till you make it. Never let them see you sweat. Put your best foot forward. And the truth is just exactly the opposite. I mean, the truth is we connect with people by being vulnerable and authentic and real. And if you have the self-confidence to use self-deprecating humor, it's, it's going to win people over. And I'll, I'll give you a recent example. This isn't in the book because it just happened to me two two weeks ago. But I married a girl named Lori who's much smarter than I am. And she <laughs> asked me to go to this Harvard of Central Florida networking event with her. She went to Harvard. And I'm there, and I'm there for a couple of hours in networking. And I'm the only one in the room who, who didn't go to Harvard. And I'm a fish out of water. And then <laughs> the president says, we're all going to go around the room now, and each person is going to say the Harvard school they went to and, and you know, what their occupation is. And so they're going around the room, and each person is, like, more successful than actually. You know, I went to Harvard, and so did my grandpa, and he invented the Post-it note, and Dad Gummit, we just made a billion dollars, you know. And I'm like, Jesus, you know. Oh, and they, no. they come they come to me, and Lori's looking at me, what's he going to do? And I said, uh, my name is Rick, and I went to um, Harvard Medical School, and I'm a neurosurgeon, well, chairman of neurosurgery. And everybody, like, looks approvingly and goes, I'm just screwing with you. I'm, I'm only a plus one. And the room erupted, and about ten minutes later, this kid comes over to me, a recent Harvard grad, and he, and he said, I heard you that you were really a congressman. I said, yeah. And he said, uh that's so cool. I said, I can, I can talk. Can I get, I can, can I get some advice from you? Cause I'm thinking about going into that. And he wasn't nervous anymore. He was relaxed and people were friendly. And that's, that's it in a nutshell is that it relaxes people. It lowers walls and it helps people connect with you. That's true. Well, thank you, Rick, again for joining us today on the show. You were very uh, educational and added a little insight, the rest of the story, to your book. His book, again, is Chase the Bears, Little Things to Achieve Big Dreams. Pick up a copy, order it on Amazon, or you can visit his website at www.rickkeller.net. Again, best wishes to you for continued success for you and your family. Thanks so much, Gary. Have a great day. You too.
So everyone, please uh, tell your friends and to listen to our radio show next Saturday morning for more information that could benefit them or their loved ones. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.